Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells the Ephesian Christians that he has not stopped giving thanks for them and praying for them. Paul prays that they would receive wisdom, revelation, and enlightenment that they might know Jesus better. Do you have this kind of lifestyle of earnest prayer for others? Let's open our Bible now to Ephesians chapter 1 and look at this incredible privilege we have to walk more intimately with Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Sunday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to love him and growing to obey him. As we say every time, it's, it's the meaning of life is to grow in our relationship with Jesus, grow to, to know him, grow to be like him, right? Grow to be like Jesus. Today we're going to be in Ephesians 1. The plan is to do verses 13 to 23. So in verse 17, Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And there it is. Our, our hearts ought to be to know Jesus better, to know him better, um, to know Christ better in every aspect of our lives. You remember in uh, Philippians 3, I believe it's verse 10, Paul said, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And so, you know, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more time you spend in the word of God, washing yourself in the word of God, the more time you spend just in his presence, right? The more time you spend in, in prayer with him and just conversing with him. Right. Um, and above all, the more time you spend obeying him. Right. And again, this is not out of a, a religious attitude. OK. Obedience is not religion. OK. We're not saved by by any obedience that we do. Uh, God doesn't love us more. Our Heavenly Father doesn't love us more because we obey him. But he's certainly more pleased with us when we're obedient and when we're devoted. Right. Just like any of us with our children and our parents with us. They don't love us any more or less when, when we're obedient. And nor do we love our children more or less when we're obedient. But of course, we're more pleased with them, right? Of course, uh, you know, you know, we're, you know, it, it gives us more pleasure to see our children walking with the Lord and, and, and walking uprightly with him. And so it's the meaning of life to grow to know Jesus. So, all right. So um, last time we got through, we're like verse 12. Uh, so today is, again, Ephesians 1, 13 to 23. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for our Bible, Lord. We thank you for this book of Ephesians. Holy Spirit, we thank you for leading and guiding and inspiring um, your word and the Apostle Paul. Um, again, just this, this remarkable book of Ephesians. We just thank you, Holy Spirit. We worship you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for becoming a human man for us and for living a perfect life for us and for dying a perfect death for us. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today and we worship you today, Lord Jesus. 
Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. We ask you to open the word of God to our hearts. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. We pray and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. Just, uh, it's just big stuff. It's about Jesus. It's, it's, it's all about Jesus. Again, um, and these prayers by Paul are incredible. So let's go back to verse 13. We finished through 12 last time that in verse 12, Paul said, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. If you have put your hope in Christ, right? It, it, the, the purpose of it, right, Jason, is to bring praise and glory, right? Um, you know, to our heavenly father and to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, right? Um, that's why we are. If, we've, if you've come to hope in Christ, um, at whatever time you come, it should be for the praise of his glory. We exist that we should be, we should bring glory to God. We should magnify Him, right? Um, and it, it's you know He's it, it He's worth it, right? Um, it's not that He needs it; it's that 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 it's appropriate, right, to bring glory to God, right? It's it's what's right. Um, he is fully and completely deserving of it, and far more, right? Um, it's not that He needs it. It's that it's appropriate. And the more that we have a lifestyle of glorifying God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, um, the more that's our lifestyle, you know, the more we will, you know, the more we'll experience him, right? Um, so thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, now verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him, in Jesus, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. 14, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance 
until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Okay. So we were included in Christ. It said, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, what is the word of truth? The gospel of your salvation. Have you heard this word of truth? It's something we ought to remind ourselves of even daily, right? The word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, okay? Before we even understand the gospel of our salvation, we need to understand what we need salvation from. What do we need to be saved from? The scripture is clear that we need to be saved from eternal hell, okay? All 8 billion people in the world today need a savior. And because we're all sinful, okay, we need to be saved from, e from an eternity in hell separated from the triune God where it's, it's utter and complete misery. That's what we need to be saved from, okay? Now, it's because of our sin, right? All human beings are sinful. We've all done wrong. We're all selfish. We all want our own way, right? At our core, human beings are not good, okay? The Bible is clear that at our core, we're not, right? Yes, by the common grace of God, we can do good things, but human beings, we want our own way, right? We, you know, we are creatures of preference, right? I've often said I'm a man of preference. You know, I prefer what I prefer. And, and oftentimes when I'm not getting my preference or getting my own way, I can act in a childish and immature and sinful way, right? Um, so we, we are a sinful people. Humanity is sinful and we need to be saved from our sin. And without the Savior, only eternal hell awaits for us. Okay, we are hopeless, we're helpless, we're desperate. Now, with that understanding, verse 13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The word of truth is that in that hopeless and helpless and desperate state, your God, God the Son, Jesus, became a human man, even for you and even for me. He lived a perfect life righteous life for you that you could never live. He then died a perfect righteous death for you on your behalf and in your place that you should have died and that I should have died. Okay. And then he was raised from the dead. Okay. And in receiving Jesus, John 1 12, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That is the word of truth that you've heard, the gospel of your salvation, that your God became a human man for you, lived a perfect righteous life on your behalf, and then died a perfect righteous death on your behalf. You know, he was judged in your place. He was punished in your place. And that if you'd receive Jesus, if you'll receive Jesus into your heart as your only Lord and Savior, that perfect righteous life that Jesus lived when he walked the earth will be credited to you as if you lived it. And all of your sin, past, present, and future, will be credited to Christ as if you never did it. That's a pretty nice exchange, wouldn't you say? It, it, it's incredible, right? That exchange, the perfect righteous life of Christ, for all of my sin that I'll ever commit in my life, that exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel, okay? 
And you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, do you believe that? Right? The word believed here just doesn't mean to give intellectual assent. It means to trust in or to rely on or to cling to, to have full confidence in. Do you have confidence that that's true? Right? That Jesus did become a human man for you and lived the perfect righteous life that you couldn't live on your behalf and died a perfect, righteous, torturous death that you should have died. He died it in your place and on your behalf. And that if you'll receive him, all of your sins will be forgiven and put to the cross of Christ and the perfect, righteous life that he lived will be credited to you. And you'll be made right with God the Father. You'll have peace with God the Father. Do you believe that? And are you clinging to Jesus? Are you trusting in him? Are you relying on him? Because it says, having believed, you were marked in him. If you believe that, if you've received Christ, John 1, 12, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Having believed, you were marked in him, marked in Jesus with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When you receive Christ, right? When you've trusted in Christ, when you've had your full confidence in Christ, that's what it means to believe in Jesus, right? It doesn't mean to give intellectual acknowledgement or assent that he existed. Of course he existed, right? If I say to you, Scotty, I believe in you, brother, what am I saying? Am I saying, Scott, I believe you exist? Of course not. Obviously you exist. If I say, May, sweetheart, I believe in you, I'm saying I have confidence in you. I believe you can do it. To believe in Jesus is to have full confidence, trust, and reliance in what Jesus has done in your place and on your behalf. That he lived the perfect life for you and died a perfect death for you and that he's raised from the dead. And all you need to do is receive him as your Lord and Savior. And when you do that, you receive the Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, becomes one with you. The Holy Spirit joins himself to your spirit and you receive eternal life. You receive spiritual life when the spirit of God becomes one with your spirit. You go from spiritual death to spiritual life, right? <coughs> when you receive Jesus, <coughs> I think it's, what is it? Is it John 5 verse, maybe it's verse 24 that says this, um, let me see. I think it's verse 24. I tell you the truth, John 5, verse 24, Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth, whoever, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. And that's what it says here. Okay. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has come to live inside of you, has given you eternal life, and you've crossed over from spiritual death to spiritual life. And you will never go back. Verse 14, this Holy Spirit, verse 14, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. If you're in Christ today, if the Spirit of Christ, if the Holy Spirit is living inside you, you will absolutely go to heaven. That cannot be taken, taken from you, okay? You cannot lose that. The question is, are you genuinely in Christ? Are you truly trusting and relying and 
clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. Because it says the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Until we've been fully redeemed, we have been redeemed in Christ, but until we've been brought to glory, right? Brought to the next life, right? Brought to heaven, right? The Holy Spirit is, is a deposit in you now. You've been given a deposit in this life. And if the Holy Spirit lives in you, then you, you know that he does because you have a heart for Jesus. You, you care about Jesus. Some will say, well, how do I know the Holy Spirit lives in me? Well, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You'll care about the things that I'm speaking about. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you'll have some kind of care to live for Jesus. You'll have some kind of grief over your sin. And again, we're all in a different place in our walk and in our devotion and in our relationship, right? With the Holy Spirit and with our Heavenly Father and with Jesus. But if you've received Christ and the Holy Spirit is living in you, there ought to be a desire in you, right? There ought to be a desire for Jesus. There ought to be a desire to, to please him. There ought to be some kind of grief over your sin right? Um, there ought to be a, a heart of repentance. You ought to have a heart to love, you know, other people and, and particularly believers in Jesus Christ, but to love all people and to want to see them receive Christ and see them saved, right? And so if you would say, you know what, I, I believe in Jesus, but I don't, I don't really have any of those, then go back to the foot of the cross. Go back to the foot of the cross and receive Jesus anew and afresh, right? John 1, 12, I can't say it enough, yet to all who received him, these are the words, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you're not sure, just humble yourself and acknowledge before Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinful person, Lord. I know I've done wrong and I know that I am hopeless and helpless and desperate without you, Jesus. But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And I do believe that you came into this world and lived a perfect life for me and died a, a perfect death for me. And I believe you're alive and risen today, Lord Jesus. And therefore, I ask you now to come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, Lord. I ask you to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and hope and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord Jesus. That's a Christian, right? So again, it's not those words that save us. It's Christ that saves us. But, but we use our words to communicate our heart to Jesus, right? So again, if you would say, you know, I, you know, I, I believe in Jesus, but I don't know that I sense the Holy Spirit in me, and I'm not sure that I have any desires for any of this, my daughter Kristen went through that. My daughter Kristen had received Christ. Her and I had prayed together from the time she was probably five years old, right? She had prayed and asked Jesus into her heart, but when she had graduated college, she just she she would have said, No, I don't I don't have any desires for Jesus. I don't really have any desire to 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 please him. I really don't have any conviction over my sin. And I said to her, Well, honey, you very well may not be truly saved. But then she went, she went back to the foot of the cross and she, she, she prayed and received Jesus again, as we had done many times, but this time it was the way she did it was different. There was a desperation in her, a desire 
in her. She wanted Christ to be the Lord of her life, not only to go to heaven, but she wanted Jesus right now to take over her life. And, and when she had prayed this, you could almost see the spiritual life come on her. You could almost see the zeal come on her. You could almost see the, uh, the Holy Spirit come and live in her. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Verse 15. Paul says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, verse 16, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, right? Because you've believed in the Lord Jesus, right? Because you've received the Holy Spirit. Paul says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, but this is interesting, and your love for all the saints, that's an interesting statement. Why, is it, why doesn't he just say ever, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus? Your faith in Jesus, your trust in Jesus, your belief in Jesus. And the word faith here is, is very similar. It, it really has the same meaning as the word belief when it says, having believed in verse 13, when he said, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, it's the same thing, that you have faith in what Jesus has done. You don't see it with your eyes, but you, you believe him by faith, right? Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, but he says, and your love for all the saints. So you, you claim to have faith in Jesus, but do you have a love for God's people, right? Because your faith in Jesus ought to have a manifestation, right, Tommy, of love for others. Now, again, we're all in different places with this, and there are some people who may be, may be believers, and but if you don't have really any love for Jesus, or any love for the people of God, then again, you want to check your heart and see if you really are a Christian, if you're really trusting in Christ. And again, there's no condemnation here, but again, intellectual assent to Jesus is not salvation, right? So again, if you're not sure and you would say, no, I don't, I don't have any love for anybody, right? Then again, you want to go back to the foot of the cross as we, as we just did a few minutes ago, rewind the, the tape and, uh, and receive Jesus anew and afresh as my daughter Kristen did, right? So do, again, do you have a love for the people of God? Do you want to see people come to know Christ? Do you want to see people? And he says your love for all the saints. Again, he's not talking about the special super Christians here, okay? When I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, a saint is anyone who has received Christ. Anyone who is trusting and relying on Jesus, anyone who's a genuine Christian is a saint, okay? Every real Christian is a saint. And, and again, we ought to have love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So he says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. So, so Paul is hearing about, people are speaking up about the love and the faith that the Ephesian Christians have. Is that, can that be said of you? Do others speak about your faith in the Lord Jesus, May, and your love for all the saints? Is that said of you, Chloe, Ian? Is it said of you, Benny, Peyton? Is it said of you, Alicia? Do people speak? Do they hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus? Paul said, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus. Stephen, people ought to be hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus, and they ought to be hearing about your love 
for, for, for people and for all those who have received Christ and your love and desire for everyone to, to, to receive Christ. Have they heard about that, Esther? Hmm. Verse 16. So ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, 16, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That's quite a statement by Paul here. So ever since I've heard about this, when you hear about Christians and you hear about your brothers and sisters' faith and their love, do you have a lifestyle of praying consistently for others? I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Are you thankful for your brothers and sisters in Christ who, who, who are walking in faith and walking in love for their brothers and sisters in Christ and love for everyone? Right. If someone's not your brother and sister in Christ in love, you ought to be desiring them to become your brother and sister in Christ, knowing that without Christ, no one will see heaven and only eternal hell awaits. Right. I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Do you have a lifestyle of giving thanks to Jesus, thanking your heavenly father, thanking the Holy Spirit for the other believers in relationships you have with other believers in the church, with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Most would say, no, I don't have a lifestyle of doing that. Begin today. Begin today to start being thankful, right? For, for, for other believers and thankful for the work and the faith and the love for other believers. Paul says, I've not stopped giving thanks for you. Again, your heart ought to have a there ought to be a thanksgiving in your heart for other believers' faith and love. I've not giving I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. Okay, so again, do you have a lifestyle of intercession? First, you have a lifestyle of thanksgiving, but then do you, do you remember other believers? Are you praying for other believers? Are you praying for the work of Christ to be done in them? Paul says he hasn't stopped doing this. We ought to have an active and a zealous prayer life, Uncle Dennis. Corinne, you ought to be active in your prayers, passionate in your prayers, right? Mm. Man, thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus, right? Linz, are you active in your prayers? Gwendo, Mel, are you guys active in your prayers? Susanna, are you active in giving thanks for your brothers and sisters in Christ and remembering them in your prayers? And what is our prayer life? What is it we're praying? Look at verse 17. I keep asking that, I keep asking, keep asking, right? Matthew 7, ask, seek, and knock. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. This is how you grow. This is how any relationship grows, right? And again, this is not a religious exercise. This is, this is not about performance, right? But all relationships take effort, right, Mrs. Griffin? I mean, uh, we were talking in Bible study on Thursday that, you know, um, you know, we we you know we're saved not by anything we've done, right? There's no effort you make. You're saved only by receiving Christ. There's nothing you can add to that. But if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, if you want to grow in intimacy with Jesus, that's going to take effort, right? It is going to take work. All relationships take work right? It, it, you have a relationship with your mother or your father, right? And that relationship is, it, 
It's, they are your mother and father. You have a relationship with your wife or your husband. They are your spouse. That relationship is absolute. But the quality of that relationship, the, the intimacy of that relationship, the depth of that relationship is always going to flow along the lines of, of the time and effort that is, that is put in. And now the more time and effort that's put in, the more deep you get to know them, right? It doesn't mean, you know, uh, you may not talk to them to a week, but because you forged that relationship, there's an intimacy there, right? Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you have a heart to keep asking, to keep asking and seeking and knocking, as Jesus said, you know, ask and it will be given you, Matthew 7. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Right? Be persistent in pursuing Jesus. And again, I, it, he doesn't love you anymore because of your persistence. But obviously, when you see a when you see one of your children persisting to to want to to be a, a godly young man or godly young woman, doesn't it just give you pleasure? Isn't it just a blessing? But again, if we're careless in our relationship and we're just indifferent, you are going to get out of it what you put into it at a certain level, okay? And there's just no way around that. But look at this prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Okay, we did this in Bible study last Tuesday, and I asked the guys, and Jesse sent out texts. This is, this, is, this is a prayer for us all to pray, really daily. We would do well to pray this prayer. It's in the Bible. So we're praying the prayers of the scripture, and surely there's no prayers that'll be answered more than prayers that are in the Bible, right? I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Father, I do ask you today to give us, to give us one and all, all who are listening to this now, I pray that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know you better. Father, we want to know you better. Lord Jesus, we want to know you better. Holy Spirit, we want to know you better. We want to, to have a deep and intimate relationship with you, Father. Father, I ask you, to bless us one and all today, to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know you better. Father, we want to know you better. Verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Again, Look at the quality of this prayer and pray this prayer. Pray the prayer of Ephesians 1, 17 uh, to, to 20, right? Pray it daily. Father, I do pray that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, Father, in order that we would truly know the hope to which you have called us, that we would know the riches, the glorious riches of our inheritance as believers, as saints, that we would truly know that, Lord, um, and that we would know your incomparably great power that we have as believers in Jesus Christ, Father. I pray that we would know the resurrection power 
of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we want to know that. We're desperate to know this, Father. Help us, Lord Jesus. Pray these prayers, right? They're incredible prayers. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, verse 20, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. To pray that we would truly know, we don't realize the power that's in us. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ, our Lord, is living in us, right, Mandy? It's living in us. The resurrection power. If you're a Krishna today, Jesus lives in you, and the resurrection power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, has raised you from spiritual death to spiritual life, and that lives in you, and that lives in me. And we haven't begun to understand really what that power means and, 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 and all that it avails to us. The, the power that's availed to us to live a life of meaning and power, right? And, and just to live a life of life and joy and peace and power and love and purpose, right? I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Father, we want to know that hope Enlighten, open the eyes of our heart, Father. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Yes, Lord. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. We want to know that hope, Father the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Father, we want to know and understand our inheritance, what we have as an inheritance right now, as well as what we'll have when we go to heaven and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm. So again, the power that lives in you, this incomparably great power we have as believers that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You and I have resurrection power living in us and seated in him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. The heavenly realms are the spiritual realms, right? The invisible realm. Verse 21, far above, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Jesus is the boss over everything, everywhere, for all time. Jesus is the boss, okay? Right, you remember Matthew 28, right? Verse 18, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Quite a statement, right? Unless the speaker is God, it's the most ridiculous statement ever stated. But Jesus is God. Think about that. No one has ever said that. A lot of people have said a lot of ridiculous things. Matter of fact, all day, every day, everywhere, people say ridiculous things. And, and you know, I say my share of them too. Forgive me, Lord. But ain't nobody said these words but Jesus. All authority. 
all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. I mean, it makes you blink twice, right? Imagine saying it. What, what, what did he just say? Did he just say he's the boss of everything in heaven? That's what he said. All authority in heaven and on earth. There have been some crazy kings who thought they had all authority on earth. Control's illusion. You ain't got no control, right? You don't have no authority, right? Obviously in Christ, right? We can walk with Christ and we have authority as Christians in Christ. But this guy said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. You see it here, verse 21. He was seated at the right hand in the heavenly realms. And again, you you know, C.S. Lewis said most of us picture like these three big thrones in heaven, you know, with the Father, right? And then Jesus on his right and the Holy Spirit, and then I'm all sitting there. And again, it's these, this is, you know, uh, this is just language. It's metaphorical language. Seated means that Jesus has finished the work. Seated at his right hand, meaning there's, he's completed all. There's nothing more for him to do. Now, they're, they're still obviously very involved, but the work of redemption is done. The work of paying for the sins of the world is done, right? But not only is he seated in the heavenly or the spiritual realms or the invisible realms, verse 21, far above all rule and authority, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given. So no matter what the title is, whether it's in heaven or on earth, far above all rule and authority, whether it is angels, whether it's demons, whether it's Archangel Michael, Archangel Gabriel, whether it's Lucifer, Satan, any of the demons, Jesus is above all of it. Over all human titles, over all human kings, over all human queens, over all presidents, over all popes, you name it. Verse 21, Jesus, far above all rule and authority. Jesus is the boss of everything. So start going to Jesus a little bit more because he's far above all rule and authority. He's the ultimate authority. Not your pastor, Jesus. Certainly not me, Jesus, okay? Not your mom. We should honor our mother and father, right? If we're still children living in our parents' house, we need to honor them and we need to obey them, right? When we grow to be adults, Jesus is always our ultimate rule and authority, okay? Uh, if your mom and dad are ever exhorting you to do something contrary to Jesus, no, 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 no. Jesus is the boss of everything. He's far above all rule and authority. He's above all power and dominion. He's above every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. What does that mean? There'll never be something more than Jesus. There'll never be something greater than Jesus. There'll never be a title given more than Jesus. There'll never be a given to authority over Jesus. For all eternity, Jesus is the boss, right? Um, in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, Paul says that the Father has turned everything over to Jesus, right? At that point, Jesus is not even in submission to the Father right now. The Father has turned everything over to Jesus. The Son is running everything. And then it says in 1 Corinthians 15, when everything is completed, the Son, Jesus, will turn everything back over to the Father and then will submit himself to the Father so that God will be all in all. But it's a profound mystery, right? The Father has given all authority to Jesus and somewhat stepped aside right now. Now, why would he do that? My own personal belief is that the Father wants to make it clear that there's going to be no end around. You cannot get to the Father 
except through Jesus, because Jesus is the boss of everything. He's running everything. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, when everything's completed, right, we have a new heaven and a new earth, and there's no more sin, um, and everything's done at whenever time that is in the future, right? Then it says in 1 Corinthians 15, the Son will turn the kingdom back over to God the Father, which is not yet, because it's not completed, and then will himself submit himself, and again, will have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Again, it's a profound mystery, okay? So Jesus is not over the Father, but at present, we don't have the Father over Jesus. Now, again, they're all God, right? We It's one being, it's one God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and there is an order there, right? And there is an order of authority there, but at present, all authority has been given to Jesus, okay? Verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet, Jesus, all things, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, okay? it's Jesus is the head of the church. There is no church without Jesus, okay? We live in a time, again, where we can have a lot of church and almost no Jesus, okay? You can listen to a sermon and not hear Jesus. You'll hear God, 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 God. There is no God save Jesus, okay? I think it's one of the, one of the great one of the great travesties of our preaching today is the overuse of the word God, where it, it, without Jesus, nothing means anything. And again, almost all, all preachers would, would, would admit this, okay? But we, we have this habit where we don't use the name Jesus enough. We would do well that every time we said God, we would say Jesus instead. Obviously, Jesus is God. Or say your father, right? Or say Holy Spirit. There's a reason we have these, these relational names, right? God is just a generic name, right? All religion use the word God, right? Hindus say God. Buddhists say God. Muslims say God. Even New Age people have their God and God and God and God, right? Um, only in Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus. And Jesus is the head over everything for the church. Okay. We need to have more Jesus in church. Okay. We all need more Jesus, right? Armando, Mosh, Jesus, right? Uh, Jesse and I were in uh, Mozambique and that was the theme of our last trip was more Jesus, right? That's in Portuguese, uh, right? Mosh, Jesus. Is that right, Linda? All right. And God placed all things under his feet. Everything's under Jesus's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, verse 23, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus fills everything, and as believers, we are part of his body. We're part of the, the body of Christ. We're all related as believers. We're connected, and we're one with Jesus, and we're one with each other spiritually, right? Um, the church, no, it's not talking about the buildings here. The church, all genuine believers are part of the body of Christ. We're all connected to Jesus Christ. We're all one with Jesus and we're, we're one with each other, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way, 
right? As the body of Christ, we are, we're just the fullness of him. It's Jesus who fills everything in every way. Jesus fills everything in every way. Without Jesus, nothing is filled in any way. There's no meaning, no purpose, no life, no nothing. Lord Jesus, we worship you today. We thank you today. We praise you today. We honor you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these scriptures, Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for living for us. We thank you for dying for us. We thank you for your mercy, Lord Jesus. We thank you. Father, we do ask you today, our Father, to give us again the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. Father, we pray that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. We ask you to enlighten the eyes of our heart in order that we would know the hope to which you have called us, that we would know the riches of our glorious inheritance in the saints and that we would know the incomparably great power that we have as believers in Jesus Christ, that we would know and walk in this hope and in this enlightenment and in this resurrection power, Father. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we worship you and we thank you today. We thank you for this word. We thank you for giving us your word, Holy Spirit. We ask you to seal this word to our hearts. We thank you that you are a deposit in us. We thank you that we have us, Holy Spirit. Help us, Holy Spirit, to grow in our relationship with you and grow to know you, Holy Spirit, and, and, to, have a, and to have a relationship with you, Holy Spirit, and to have a relationship with, with Jesus, to have a relationship with our Father. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this word to our heart now. We thank you for it. We worship you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.